Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Welcome back, everybody. This is part two with Tom Mandelbaum, and we were along with her on our last segment where we learned about her personal story, her journey of healing that brought her back to the teachings of Kabbalah. And in, during this session, we're going to find out more about what that means. So, Tal, I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit more about Kabbalah and assume that we know absolutely nothing about it. And maybe you could use this as an opportunity also to tell you about, tell us about your teachers, the ones who have really made the most impact. We, we talked about your teacher from Thailand and how inadvertently he sort of set you back on this path. But I'd also like you to share with us a little bit about the, the teachers of Kabbalah and how they taught you and what this whole process of unfoldment has been like for you. Thanks, Bob. Wow, this is, it's really um, uh, emotional for me to be able to talk about it because it's really such um, a big deal to me to talk about Kabbalah. It took me like I told you in my the first part, it took me a lot of suffering and search to find it. And it's, uh, it's so dear to my heart. So I really try to uh, tell you about it as best I can so I can convey the, the greatness of this wisdom because it really is so great and it's so hard to, uh, to put it into words, it, all that it entails, all that it contains. Um, so yeah, so my, my, my Buddhist teacher pointed me in the direction of my own roots um, that I was not aware of. And I was, like I said, I was searching for books at the time. And I remember at first I found books from uh, Berg, if you've heard of him. He's also a Kabbalah teacher. And I remember that already there, I felt like, um, wow, that was interesting. I, like uh, I told you in the first episode, I think that I was very uh, surprised, like pleasantly surprised to see that Kabbalah was like giving um, the bigger picture of who we are, it really takes you, gives you the knowledge, like takes you to the beginning of time, how it all started in the process of evolution that mankind has needs to go through and has gone through and will go through and where it's all leading to. It really illustrates that for you and like it, it it lays before you the path. And finally, I felt like there was a path that I knew I needed to, to follow. And yet, I remember reading that first book from Berg, and it gave me that story of creation and, and who I am, who we are, and where we're going. But then when it came to the practical side, then there are a few pages towards the end of the book with some meditations on the names of God or something like that. And I closed that book and I was like, oh, okay, that, that didn't really feel like satisfying to me. Um, so then I continued my, my search. And finally, when I did find my teacher, Dr. Michael Lightman, uh, who I, I had heard on television for the first time, um, I finally found something that resonated with me much more. It wasn't meditations. It wasn't any red strings or holy water or anything like that. It was, first of all, there were books there and books, I mean, like big books with all of these articles that were talking about 
A, there's this very logical part to Kabbalah that it really explains with the structure of the spiritual world and, and the way that they all are built. Um, of course, you can't understand any of it. So then there are also books and teachings on how a person can begin to experience that spiritual world and the kind of inner transformation they need to undergo, the inner change the person has to, in, to undergo in order to be able to attain to actually come to know by themselves the spiritual reality, the whole of reality. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's really amazing to see these books. You can't really understand who wrote that. You think like, who could write something like that? It's so detailed. It's so comprehensive. And you realize that a per the person who wrote that, the people who wrote that, the Kabbalists, they really did have very expanded, uh, expansive, uh, levels of consciousness from which they, they attain reality to much deeper and higher levels and they could write about our world from that perspective. Um, so I've been with my teacher since 2008. I think that's when I found Kabbalah and, and, and since then I've been learning, I've been in this process, um, which is, to put it very shortly, it's is a process of achieving love thy friend as thyself, love thy neighbor as thyself, right? They say the Torah can be summarized by, by that short line. And then it's all included in this formula, love thy friend as thyself. And what does that have to do with spiritual attainment, right? We think spiritual attainment means you go and meditate on some mountaintop and seclude yourself from the world until you experience your oneness or enlightenment or whatever. And, and here, this method points you towards loving others as yourself, um, which is really what is so special to me about Kabbalah, that it, it connects all the pieces. It really shows you how everybody else in this world and everything else in this world has to do with you and why it's there to begin with. It's all there for you. This is what Kabbalists teach, that the world is actually here for you. And you are here to use reality. I'm, I'm saying use, but it's really so that you would learn to love, learn to be uh, loving like our creator uh, through the, your connection to others, through your connection to the world around you. And, and so the study of Kabbalah that I'm learning is, is really done in the group where we practice how to really connect to one another on a, on a consciousness level, on a spiritual level. And through this connection, um, we practice rising above our separateness, our egoism, um, our inner mechanism, which is fundamentally a mechanism of self-concern and self-preservation. Uh, and through the teachings, through the books and, and, and the teachings that we receive every day and the work in the group, we're basically um, transforming or evolving towards this higher level of consciousness and um, of human potential, which is unity consciousness. That is where we're headed. So I hope, I hope that gave uh, a kind of picture of, of what Kabbalah is. It did. What I'd like to, I, the, the question that I'd like to ask you now is about the actual uh, technique. So I understand that the idea is that we are, we're, we're, Underneath all of the, the writings, underneath all of the actions, we're trying to move beyond our own personal self with the small s 
to merge with the larger self with a capital S, that we're moving beyond the limitations of our ego to that place where we connect. In other words, where you and I are not separated by our individuality, but how the two of us participate in this much larger whole. So my question is, what, what are the techniques that are utilized in order to do that? Yes, so yeah, you put it very accurately. And I think we all know of techniques in the world to do that, where there is meditation or some people take uh, psychedelic drugs that allow them to experience this oneness. But in my experience, um, these things have been, I mean, I haven't tried the drugs, but I think from what I've heard, these things are kind of temporary solutions. Whereas here, the method um, it's both the work in the group and exercises that we do in the group. And then within the text themselves, the writings of the Kabbalist, um, it's, it's like, um, it's kind of hard to explain this part, but it's like they come from a higher consciousness and from they're connecting you to these higher levels of nature, higher levels of our existence that already exists right and there is no time or space and spirituality it's like they're writing to you from your future telling you about it and when you read these texts especially the zohar and um and the writings of of rabbi ashlag um yehuda ashlag when you read these writings in a group and you you're reading about your higher levels of consciousness they say it they call it the light that reforms, that there is a light in these writings that kind of operates on you and brings you closer to these states. But I would say like from a more scientific point of view that when you're reading their writings that are written from this higher level, then it's like you're connecting to that higher level and you're drawing yourself closer to it. Especially we work to, to have the intention to do so. We don't want to learn from the mind we want to let go of our um, of our thinking mind and be open for that influence to help us achieve these more connected states, these higher states of of sensing our connectedness. And and so it's really they say that you need to come with a, with an open heart and to be willing to connect. So every lesson is not about learning new facts or new knowledge, even though they can be very interesting lessons, but you know, my teacher's teacher, um, he's called the Rabash, he, he would teach without many explanations. He would just like read these texts that really are very inexplicable. You can't really understand these texts at all. And he, he would make no commentary. And my teacher, he, he writes about how difficult that was, that he would just sit there listening to the text, which he had no understanding of. And yet he knew that this was the right way because it forced him to desire the transformation, to desire to achieve that higher consciousness from which this text would finally make sense. And it's really that desire in a person that progresses him, that moves him forward. In fact, this is what happens in, in nature in general. It's our desire, our intention, or what we want that it's like, um, they, they, I think they talk about it a lot in the law of attraction, right? What, what you want, the thing that you visualize or that you, you're intending for, that's what you pull, that's what you draw from reality. So 
with these texts, with this method, we learn how to aim our desire for our own higher levels of evolution of consciousness. And, and in that way, we bring ourselves closer to them. So I, I hope that was clear because it really is something that happens beyond our rational thinking mind. So, yes, what I'd like to focus on now is the meaning of text, because that's extremely important, I think, to, to really get at what you're saying. Because on the one hand, a lot of the, the wisdom teachings on our planet are non from non-written sources that they're they're verbal on um, verbal traditions passed down from one person telling a story to another the minute we create a text we have something that the words become fixed and different people have different ways of utilizing words and of course you know we have the example of fundamentalism that says that the the words themselves are specifically spoken by God and are the final word. But then we have more symbolic ways of using words as well. So I was wondering if you could address what the importance is of text within this tradition. You said that when you hear it, when you, you hear these words, it, the, there's something behind it that kind of pushes you along to use your intentionality to get to this point of interconnection. So is it that the words themselves carry power in meaning, for example, like what we find in um, the description of the Vedas within Hinduism, they talk about the language itself, that the, the sound of the word creates these changes in consciousness. Is there something like that? So I want you to tell us a little bit more about text and what it means within uh, these teachings and these practices. Okay. Well, first of all, it's it's true that in Judaism as well that a lot of these wisdoms were passed from uh, teacher to student, and they were not written down. I think a, a small portion of it was written down. And my teacher, he says that his teacher was very reluctant that his students would write anything, and there was a great importance um, in not writing down and just absorbing the wisdom as it was coming through the teacher to the student because really like you said it was the intentionality and what is transferred from teacher to student is not the words it's not the uh, rational explanation or, or even um, the words is something that the mind can grasp onto but what is transferred is really is more the ex experiential um, energy or um, experience. I don't know how to put it into words, but the, the teacher will pass on to the student um, a form or a, a a new level for the student to to be able to move forward into. Um, but yes, some of this wisdom is written down, and yes, there is a great importance to the text and the letters. In fact, in in, in Hebrew, every letter is really the shape that. Uh, depicts a spiritual state and there's nothing coincidental about any letters even in the Bible or, or any of these texts which interestingly like you said the Bible the biblical texts they get interpreted in so many ways by fundamentalists or everybody's got their take on what these texts say which is why I love Kabbalah so much because it really 
takes away all those interpretations and tells you that why these books are holy to begin with, what is holy about them. And it's that they describe the spiritual reality and the path to spiritual attainment and nothing in this world. The Kabbalists write only about their attainments of the spiritual world. Uh, and it's only we who don't know to how to interpret it. We don't know the language. It's called the language of the Sod, the secret. And the, it's, it's, um, com it's like common to think that the Sod or the secret is the last level of the text that you need to, to know. But really Kabbalists teach that you first need to know the secret, the key that unlocks all of these texts so that you could attain any of it and understand any of it until you know the secret of what these texts are really about and how to read them you cannot touch them it's like you don't have any idea what they're about um so yeah so every single letter in those books is very intentional and, and it, it the kabbalist who, who has that spiritual attainment and can enter these books these texts they know how to interpret all of these letters um but yes, that takes a very high level of spiritual uh, attainment to know. The, the biblical texts are very, very, very hard to understand. And when you are in your groups in this learning process, are, you, um, are the texts being recited in Hebrew? Well, currently we read um, the texts of the Rabash, who was the son of Rabbi Ashlag, and the articles of Rabbi Ashlag himself. And because from what I learned, the, the texts are really suited to the, the souls and the specific generation in which they were written. And we don't really read the Bible as much. We read these texts from my teacher's teacher and Bala Sulam that are more uh, suited to our generation and they're easier for us to access so we read these texts, uh, we read them in Hebrew, but there are people all over the world who read translations together with us, uh, English and, and well, so like tens of languages, really. There are people from all over the world who connect to this, and that's pretty amazing. Um, we also study the Zohar, but again, when we study the Zohar, we only listen to it as a kind of a healing or a kind of a cure. Uh, knowing that we don't understand what it means yet, but listening it to it with the intention of connection, of finding, of discovering our connected states of development, we will, it will influence us and help us grow. So in these, these groups that you've been describing, I'm assuming that you have people who are at various stages in, along this path at the same time. Is that right? Yes, yes. So could you describe then the difference between the way the impact that it had on you when you first went compared to when you had been there a little bit longer compared to now? What, what effect did the words have on you? What, what difference has there been in the way that the words worked on you when you began, when you were partway through and where you are now? Well, I would say that um, in the beginning, it's like, I remember opening up um, this book. Uh, I don't know, you can't show this to your readers, but this little book, which was actually a notebook written by the Rabash, my teacher, Michael Lightman's teacher. And 
I, I started reading this and I remember I couldn't understand anything. It's written in Hebrew and I am a, a very good Hebrew speaker, a native Hebrew speaker. And yet the sentences didn't come together for me. Like the words didn't form sentences. And this was really intriguing for me. I, I'm a very ambitious person. And I was like, I have to get to the bottom of this. Why can I not make sense of these words and sentences? Um, so that kind of pulled me in and kind of made me want to challenge me to understand what this thing was about. Um, and so at first it really didn't make much sense, but then the more you read it, it's like you've, you already have internal, um, the, the, your internality begins to shape itself until you're, you're able to latch on to different things in the text and they already mean something to you because you begin to evolve internally and you have more, um, they call it scrutinies. Um, I'm not sure what the English word would be, but you go through a process where you begin to understand more and more of what the Kabbalists are talking about. And, and yet the texts are so deep that they really contain all of these levels of spiritual involvement. Uh, they say there are 125 degrees of spiritual development. So wh whatever stage you're at, you know, you'll find yourself in the text and, it, and then next time you'll read it, you'll find something new and, and so on. I, I'm curious about if you could tell us about who, the, the people who are on the path, because for example, here in the United States, we really don't hear a lot about Kabbalah, but I mean, there was a time a few years ago where I, re I remember, uh, for example, Madonna kind of got into Kabbalah and popularized it to a certain extent. But I'm curious to know about what it's like in Israel who are the people who, who are going to it? Are there a lot of people like you who have gone to other places first and then came back or people who have been on this path their whole life? What's it like there? Um, well, I, I would say it's still not mainstream um, here. It's still, I would say, people who really have this very burning inclination for truth within them because here in Israel, you really have all, kind of, all kinds of levels of religion, like Judaism, people who are into spirituality of all kinds and types. But I feel that people who study Kabbalah with me are the ones who have searched a lot, have been through a lot, and they feel in their heart that they will settle for nothing but um, a very direct path to the truth. Um, I guess there are all kinds of people. I mean, I, I haven't really, I think we're like a microcosmos of, of humanity, seriously. We have people from all colors and shapes and types and backgrounds, religious, non-religious. There, there's, it's like a little, I don't know, like a fetus or something that has parts in it from all, all other uh, parts of, of the body of humanity. And I can't really say um, what, 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 what is the denominator? It, they sometimes say that it's like cr the creator has picked out people with, uh, you know, tweezers <laughs> from different places, put them together. And it reminds me actually of a process that happened back in Babylon with Abraham, who gathered people around him from all the different tribes of Babylon, which is where humanity is said to have, you know, begun ancient civilizations. And those people who had an inclination in their hearts to discover the higher law of reality 
gathered around him and that first spiritual group that gathered around Abraham to learn the law of love, the law of nature, they became the people of Israel. So the people of Israel, if you think about it, originated from all these different tribes. They were not one uh, biological family. They were, according to the Kabbalists, they were actually a spiritual group. And so even now, if you look at Kabbalists or people who study Kabbalah, they, they're like a microcosmos of humanity. And, and I believe that that is why this method is so, um, is so suited for all of humanity and for everybody, because it's not just for Jews. It's not just for people who are living in Israel. It's really meant for every person in this world. Beautiful. That was actually going to be my next question. So you answered it without even me having to go there. I, I, I wanted to know about uh, Kabbalah and if it is applicable to people who did not grow up uh, within Judaism, because Judaism is kind of curious as a world religion um, in that it doesn't proselytize. It doesn't go out into the world and try to find more people to follow that faith. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so in some ways, we could describe it as insular. It, it's insulated somewhat from the outside world. How how do Kabbalists go about bringing this into the wider world? Well, again, I feel like I am learning from a very specific source of Kabbalah. You're going to find different people say different things about it, but I'm learning from the source of Bala Salam, Rabbi Ashlag his son, and then my teacher. And they were revolutionists because if you can imagine my teacher, Michael Lightman, his teacher, the Rabash, he lived in Bnei Brak, which is an ultra-Orthodox city. And, you know, they were clothed in the black Orthodox clothing with the long beards and all that. And yet he accepted secular Israelis to come study with him who had no background in religion at all. And he opened a group um, with these students who, by the way, actually came from Berg's school of Kabbalah. And when they heard my teacher teach, they realized they had to go study from the Rabash because they felt the authenticism of this wisdom. And so he opened the door to secular people. This was unheard of. And there was a lot of backlash and criticism around that. And, and so my teacher says that he, what he absorbed from the Rabash was the Rabash's real desire for the wisdom of Kabbalah to spread. And Bala Sulam, his father, he writes about it in his books that it's the, it's the wisdom of Kabbalah, which is the tools to help humanity connect and achieve its higher state of consciousness. It's, it's really the, this method of how to achieve love thy friend as thyself. He says, this is the cure for humanity. And these, what I think are true Kabbalists, they yearn for every person in the world to be able to connect to this wisdom and connect through this wisdom to their highest potential, to the light, to the creator. Um, so yes, there is a very big desire for this wisdom to become um, exposed and, and um, attainable to all people. Of course, nobody has to go through it to the same depth you know, of these big Kabbalists. And I, what I talked about before may have sounded very like serious and very deep, but different people can access it to, to different extents and different levels. And, and I think the most important part of it is that it creates that sense of unity and harmony and bringing people above their differences to a shared space of connection.
what a beautiful message, Tal. And uh, we're going to end with that for today. Uh, when we come back, we'll find out a little bit more about how you're using these messages in the work that you do today. So thank you so much for these beautiful teachings and beautiful messages. Thank you, Bob. So happy and thank you, everybody, for listening. Please tune in next time. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.